Welcome to Insightful Leaders. I'm your host, Ryan Stewart, and this is the show where I interview proven leaders in customer insights and CX who share their stories, strategies, and insights to drive meaningful change for your organization. Our guest for today's episode is Colin Shaw. It's a real honor to have Colin join us on our season finale of season one of Insightful Leaders. Colin is a pioneer of customer experience. LinkedIn has recognized him as one of the world's top 150 business influencers, where he has close to 300,000 followers and is one of the exclusive official LinkedIn influencers. He has also authored seven best-selling books on the subject of customer experience. Before this, Colin was a senior executive in one of the world's largest telecom companies, where he led 3,500 people in sales, marketing, and customer service. In 2002, Colin founded Beyond Philosophy as one of the world's first customer experience consultancies. Finally, Colin is the co-host of the highly successful podcast, Intuitive, highly successful podcast, Intuitive Customer, which started in 2018 and is rated in the top 5% of all podcasts by Buzzsprout. That is a very long intro, Colin, and it's great to have you on the show. Great. No, it's great to be here, Ryan. Thanks very much for, for having me on. One of the subjects I really want to get uh, into the weeds with you on, uh, given your, bre- your uh, breadth of experience in, in the space, is just the history of CX. You're quite clearly one of the pioneers in this space. Um, and I think it'd be really great for people to hear what you've been up to for the last 40 years. You're a VP of customer experience. Uh, you're in a VP of customer experience role for one of the world's largest telecoms back in 18, 1984, when I suspect there probably wasn't a huge number of roles like that around at the time. And and you've got the experience with Beyond Philosophy and running the podcasts. I thought we could kick off today with a brief look back in time. You've been in the industry for nearly 40 years. Imagine a fresh-faced CX or insights practitioner comes to you and asks you to give them a quick history of CX and insights. What would you tell uh, them? I, I guess I would tell them that that customer experience sort of has it, it we're on an evolution okay the the way i always describe this type of thing is that that you know customer experience is the latest wave of change okay uh, but it's uh, we're a, a, at an evolutionary stage and it's actually quite interesting because different parts of the world are at uh, different stages uh, as well I, I think if i was looking at sort of a, a, an insights uh, person I, I would also give them sort of three bits of knowledge, if you like, or three bits of sage wisdom after being in the business for so long. Uh, one is that the, the, I, I actually don't think that insights get listened to enough. Yeah? Um, you know, most organizations obviously have insights, company, uh, insights people, but um, they don't get acknowledged enough for the, for the value that they provide. Uh, and I and I sometimes worry that insights gets done as a more of a sort of a tick box mentality rather than than you know we've got this insight that tells us about a customer now what what are we going to do with it um, and therefore I would sort of warn them that you know that that's potentially going to happen uh, and I think the other thing I would warn them about would be the whole area of confirmation bias. So confirmation bias is something that we all have, which is, you know, we we look for things to confirm our view of the world. Uh, and the danger is, is they may look for information and data from the insights that they have to confirm their view of the world. And the people they're providing the insights to 
again the danger is that they are um you know that they will take a step back and go uh, actually we already know this actually this this data is telling us that uh, and it's and it's not necessarily and I, and i think the the final part is i would encourage them to look at look at things through the lens of behavioral science so i think one of the new new areas and we've been doing this for a, a, a number of years now but and our podcast as you're well aware ryan is based around this the whole area of behavioral science and the really interesting thing for me and the danger here for insights is danger and opportunity let me say is that um what customers tell you and what they do can be very different uh, and therefore the danger is is that you could look at the insight and because you've dutifully asked the customer what their opinion is or about something they've told you the irony is and that my second book was all about customer centricity so i always wince a little when i say this sometimes you should ignore customers you know uh, and and it's looking at that data through a behavioral science lens uh, and as an example of what I mean is that, you know, Disney know when they ask their customers what they want to eat at a theme park, Disney know that people say they'd like to have an option of a salad. Disney also know that people don't eat salads at theme parks. They eat hot dogs and hamburgers. So oftentimes what customers say that they will buy and do is different to what they actually do. So... I guess the last thing I would say is, you know, to look at look at the data from a through that behavioural science lens, but look at different different lots of data as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, I wonder if you wouldn't mind taking a short journey back in time and and run me through in our audience how you first came across customer experience and and kind of how you saw it evolve both as a practitioner sure. and as, as a commentator. Yeah, in the industry. Um, so I, as you you read, my, my background is um, working in large corporates. Uh, I, I spent time in uh, sales, marketing, customer service. Um, and then about in 1998, uh, Joe Pine, Jim Gilmore, a really good book called The Experience Economy. Um, and, uh, you know, if you, if people mm. haven't read it, then I would encourage them to read it. Um, but that's where they sort of first laid out the thoughts of that people buy experiences. They don't necessarily buy. And at the time I was working in a telecom, so they weren't, you know, buying telephone calls. They were buying more of the experience of connection and all those other wonderful things. And that made me start to realize that, um, you know, just the basics around customer experience, which was that uh, if you're to differentiate yourself, the, the, the danger is that, you know, um, since, well, not even since the internet, but, you know, it's d difficult to differentiate your product and the internet has been a massive commoditization tool in itself. And therefore, how are you going to differentiate yourself? And it made sense to me that, organizations needed to, to differentiate themselves on on the experience they gave their customers okay um, so at that point I was running three and a half thousand people and um, we decided to put a big program in place to improve our customers experience 
Uh, and as I was doing it, I was thinking, yeah, organize, all organizations are going to need to do this. Um, and, um, uh, uh, and, and, and therefore decided to, to take the big step and leave the, leave the joys of corporate life and the steady wage packet that comes in. And again, you'll know all about this, Ryan. Uh, and, you know, uh, start uh, Beyond Philosophy. But at that point, you know, this was 20 years ago. So Beyond Philosophy started 20, uh, 20, mm. uh, 2002. People didn't know what customer experience was. I was spending most of my time just explaining yeah. to them the concepts of customer experience. Uh, and then over those years, that has obviously grown. It's now grown into a major industry. At that time, CRM was the big wave of change. Um, yeah, and it's obviously now, you know, grown into the industry that it is, uh, whereas it's become more acceptable as uh, or more of a. Um, and I, I guess this is part of the challenge, I think, for me. It, it sort of burgeoned into, yes, it's become an industry um, and lots of organisations doing it. But I think that some organisations are just doing it just because everybody else is doing it. And they don't really realise why they're doing it, um, and they're just doing it because everyone's saying that customer experience is the most important thing, and that's where the focus is going to be. Um, so um, it, it's definitely changed, and and we've changed along with it. And what we've done, um, how we look at a customer experience, has matured in in the approach uh, as well. And again, I think that's an important thing: is not just to stay static and do different things does that make sense looking back yeah it does looking back to the time at the telecom when you when you decided when you read the experience economy book and decided there was something to be done here do you look back on the on the initiatives that you spun up to try and enhance experience uh, with a with a sense of oh they were really good ideas or with a sense of man the world's changed so much since then if i had my time back again we'd do uh, things very no i i i i actually some of the things that I was asking myself, so let me give you an example. When I, when, when I decided that we would set up this program, one of the questions I asked myself was a pretty basic question, but one I couldn't answer, which was, what's the experience we're trying to give our customers? Okay, so fairly basic question. Okay, I then went and asked all of my team. They didn't know. They had an opinion of what it was. They didn't know what it was. I asked my colleagues around the, the you know, the business, what's the experience we're trying to give our customers? Um, what emotions are we trying to evoke? Okay. And the interesting bit for me is that I still ask those questions. So there are elements of customer experience that have remained the same, that literally from day one, the questions I was asking uh, I, I still think there's a lot of organisations that don't know the answers uh, to those. Uh, and But undoubtedly, let me also be very clear, there were things that I did that were mistakes and that I learned from. And I went, mm. okay, so that didn't work, did it? Uh, I, I therefore now need to do it, you know, this way. Um, and, you know, doing it in a large corporate, which is, you know the 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 type of industry that that we tend to deal in a lot more um, is uh, is the key. Um, so you know being able to to 
learn from those mistakes and then apply it in the in the real world I think is important and really it's one of the, the one of the reasons why I named the company beyond philosophy um, because I was trying to indicate by the name of mm. the company that it's all right having a philosophy or a strategy but you've got to go beyond it and do something so this is sort of my operational background and the same would be with insights you know it's all right great getting insights but if you're going to do bugger all with them what's the point you know you, you've actually got to do something mm. so hence the beyond philosophy the company name um trying to indicate that you've got to go you know it's it's not about the strategy it's about the doing of the strategy that's actually the important bit yeah and thinking back to that time was there any thought that that um, you had around trying to measure the experience at that point, or is that a relatively no, novel no. Thing I mean, at that time? measuring the experience was an important aspect of it. I think at that point, Net Promoter hadn't even been invented. I'm down. I'm now show, definitely showing my age. Mm -hmm. um, so Net Promoter hadn't been invented <laughs> then. So it was still talking about customer satisfaction. Um, but you know, once mm. I, my view has always been, once you define the experience that you're trying to deliver. So let me give you an example of that. Uh, Maersk line, one of our best case studies, or most interesting case studies, they determined that they wanted their customers to, f to feel trust, cared for, and pleased. Okay, so customers would trust them, they would mm -hmm. feel cared for, they would feel pleased. Mm -hmm. um, my view has always then been, well, guess what? You need to measure that, yeah? Um, so you need to measure emotions, okay? So a large part of what we were doing, and I've always personally believed in, uh, and wrote back in my first book in 2002, was emotions are critical, part of the experience. And again, most organizations don't do very much around that. Most, most, most organizations still, if, if, you ask, if you ask an organization, what emotion are you trying to evoke in your customer? most of them wouldn't be able to tell you. They would guess at it, they would give you an answer, but it's nothing that's been written down, thought about, and it's certainly not going out there and being measured by the majority of, of, of organisations. That's And that's 20 years after we started to talk about this. Mm, interesting. You mentioned earlier that you felt some organisations might just be doing CX for CX sake because it's it's, you know such a spoken about aspect of doing business that is kind of almost like table stakes. Um, how strongly do you feel that CX and, and having a strong experience that, that uh, customers desire is connected to the success of an organization? I know that the founder of Net Promoter Score says that he has an investment philosophy in public companies that revolves around a public Net Promoter sure. Score and that score being strong. Um, but I wonder what yeah, your I thoughts mean, were there. I, I think it's fundamental. I mean, I, I, you know, I, here's the issue, Ryan. I sometimes think to myself, this is just not rocket science. Why do people not understand? Mm. You know, uh, it, it just seems so yeah. obvious to me. Uh, and that's part of the danger. So, you know, it, it, it's like preaching to the converted, isn't it? You know, that, that it's not actually the, the people that are, it's not actually us that's the, the, the challenge. It's, it's trying to convince other people that's the challenge. So a couple of things here that I think that may be of interest. One is 
so for me it's absolutely fundamental um one is but when you then start to talk about it i i always remember probably this was probably 2004 i was in munich and i was presenting to a german insurance company in munich about why they needed to improve their customer experience and why they needed to look at emotions as part of this now not to be sort of stereotypical about germans and insurance companies but you know that's that was a challenge and rightly so one of the senior execs said to me colin i understand what you're saying and you know intellectually i can get what you're saying but he said prove to me that evoking emotions and improving my experience will will increase revenue and i have to say at that point i couldn't okay so we spent two mm. years with london business school looking at which emotions drive value for an organization okay and we came up with 20 emotions uh that, that out of the statistics that that drive value for an organization so you can actually start to prove that this is this is where we're going or this is the value that they they're gaining and i think that a big mistake that's made today uh, is that organizations are not focused or, or let me take a step back um, you know insights and customer experience do not think about enough how is this going to impact the business okay um, and there's been this year we did a podcast with the um, with the chair of oh sorry the um, president of the American Customer Satisfaction Institute and he told me a stat that just really hit me and I've repeated hundreds of times now uh, he basically told me that so the American Customer Satisfaction Institute look at uh, customer satisfaction since 1994 okay and they've measured customer sat over that period of time um, and it's used by the um, uh, by Dow Jones, you know, uh, as a sort of a, a measure of of, of how organisations are doing. Um, and he he basically said that between 2010 and 2019, only a third of organisations improved their customer experience. Two thirds of organisations their customer experience was flat or declined. So let's take a step back. That has been through the major time of customer experience being this wave of change. And again, let me repeat the stat. A third of organizations have improved it. Two thirds haven't. So that starts to make say to me that two-thirds of organizations have been saying that improving their experience is important but for one reason or another it hasn't done anything now a large part of that i think goes into your area which is into measurement you know they're not they're not measuring it okay mm. and if they are i go back to what i said at the the, the top of the show they may be measuring it but they're bloody ignoring the results <laughs> yeah um, because mm. otherwise, why would you continue to, to, to do that? And I think that's 
people aren't focused enough on what is the outcome we want and how are we going to get there. Do, do, does that help? There's a, yeah, there's a third possibility there, right? That they are measuring, but they're yeah, measuring totally. the completely Absolutely. wrong thing. Yeah, totally agree. So again, if you go back to Maersk, Maersk we we did some research with them or for them at the beginning to um, to come up with uh, the options that they could choose for which emotions drive value, and then they effectively selected the the ones out out of that. Uh, so trust, care for, and please, and we we could scientifically go. And the reason we've chosen those is because of this piece of research that we've done here. Okay, uh, as you say, someone could mm. be going. Well, we want customers to be happy, um, valued, and whatever, which sound great, but you know they're not. Mm. You can't prove that they are the the emotions that or the the experience that will drive value for the organisation. Yeah, it's, it's almost inconceivable at this point to me that people aren't measuring customer experience, but I wonder for how many organizations it's simply are. They've rolled out some sort of measurement solution. They've used what a, some sort of high-level stat that they thought would be good, either NPS or CSAT. It's a one-yearly thing, or they do it every quarter or whatever. And um, the what they're measuring and how they're measuring it isn't really connected to a thoughtful um uh, hypothesis, I, yeah, I totally. guess, of what their experience is yeah. and how it should be delivered, at, yeah. and that measurement just isn't yeah. tied into the program. Well, you see why my head, you way. see why my head is flat. Don't it, you? This is from bashing it against a brick wall <laughs> yeah. for the last twenty years. <laughs> well, it's just inconceivable to me that a business these days, particularly in a B two C or any sort of digital market, sure. wouldn't be measuring experience at this point. Yeah. Surely, surely, surely. Um, all right, so. Let's move on to, to customer insights because, and this is a good segue. Something that I've seen, and I want you to kind of agree or disagree with me, and I'm fine with either. But something that I've seen um, is a focus switch from just measuring to actually how can we connect this back to the, the performance of the business, and and it's been driven by two things. One, I think perhaps you know coming at it from a different way, businesses organising that they're in that two thirds group where where experience isn't increasing and satisfaction isn't increasing, um, or more pertinently, perhaps they're realizing that they're spending money on a program and they're unable to tie it directly to an sure. increase in business performance, both of which um, kind of lend to the same endpoint. And the second thing is, I think organizations understanding that it isn't, for a long period there, I saw organizations and you may, and it, and this tends to mostly be in services-based organizations, I saw behaviors where the experience was thought of as being the responsibility of the person on the front line. Um, you know, the person on the phone, the person in the store, customer experience is their domain. We're going to train them to make sure they're delivering experience, and that's kind of where the world stops. But somewhere, at some point, organizations started realizing, you know what, the people on the front lines, yes, of course, it's important that they are, that they are friendly, that they are trying to do their best to deliver a good experience. But often at times, they're just a wheel and a cog of a journey that management has, has designed. And they're simply triaging or rolling out some sort of strategy, whether it's a conscious or unconscious strategy that the organization has pushed out onto the customer. Uh, and it's the organization that needs visibility of that journey, needs visibility of how that journey is performing and how it's impacting customers. So both of these things, I think, you know, the focus on 
not just measuring and understanding the the link to business performance and um, frontline staff not being able to change the journey. The business leaders need to have visibility of the journey and what impact it's having on the customer and ultimately the bottom line. Both of these things led to an increased and renewed focus on customer insights to be able to deliver that uh, insight to the organization. Would you agree with that very long yeah. description? Yeah, no, or have you I, seen I would, it slightly I would agree in I would agree in in general. The um, so so for me, you know, I've been in business a long time. You're not looking to improve your customer experience just for a laugh. You 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 are looking to improve your customer mm. experience to gain something. You know, to gain loyal customers, to stop churn, to you know, uh, increase, increase retention to get more revenue, whatever it may be, right? Uh, and, and, and that's where I think a lot of organizations absolutely uh, lose, lose sight of things. So, you know, that's for me is fundamental. I, 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 and this, the, your second comment is, you know, this is where organizations don't realize what customer experience is about. So, they, they think it's just the front line. They don't realize it's all the policies, the procedures, the culture of the organization, the lack of measurement, the lack of people, the culture of the organization, even if you've got the measurement in place and even if it's a great system that you've got this in place, they still ignore the bloody data. So again, what's the point of doing it? So, you know, the the... I think it's all of those things that that combine that make make up the th the two thirds. Okay, I think I think the other thing that I would layer on top of this is that since the pandemic, you know, um, I'm seeing a shift. Okay, and since the pandemic, I'm seeing that some of the signs that I saw when I first started this are starting to starting to play out. Okay. So, again, if I go back 20 years, um, nobody had really heard of customer experience. CRM was, was the buzz phrase. Everybody was talking about CRM this, CRM that. Everyone was trying to do CRM. Everyone was also talking about the failure of CRM after something like 10 years of CRM um, and how it wasn't producing the results and, you know, similar conversations to what we're having now, okay? Uh, and but even then it was well what is crm what is customer relationship management so the 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 point i'm trying to make is that i think that there is also a shift happening here okay and i and i see that um so in fact let me give you an example of this i i was contacted a couple of weeks ago by one of the websites the aggregator websites who basically said Hey, Colin, um, the chief customer officer for Outback Steakhouse in the States has been sacked or has left. Yeah, probably been sacked. What, uh, you know, is, does this mean that uh, customer experience is no longer important? Right. So the first thing I did was to look up the stats for customer satisfaction for Outlook Steakhouses. And guess what? For the last 10 years, the customer satisfaction stats haven't moved. They were around 78% satisfaction. Haven't moved. I would have sacked the bloke, yeah, or the woman. Um, and the point I'm trying to make is that 
coming out of the pandemic, I think that a number of organisations are starting to look at their organisation and going, we've got to change the way we do things. The world has moved on. The pandemic has changed behaviours. Which part of our organisations are contributing towards us driving value? Yeah, And they will look at, as part of this review, in my view, they will look at uh, parts of the organisation and go, so we got you know 10 people there 50 people there uh so you your job is to improve customer experience um so what's the result you know how much have we improved our experience over the last 10 years of you being in existence and if you're part of the two-thirds of organization that haven't i'd be worried because that group has not tied back the business results okay and I think that organisations will start to say that, um, start to challenge whether the investment they are making is the right one. Now, let me be very clear. I am not saying that customer experience will go away. I am not saying that measurement will stop. What I am saying is that focus that we've been seeing on it, and this is probably going to happen over the next three or four years, as being the a key priority is going to get start to absorbed into the business. And let me give you the sort of the evidence of that theory. Um, so 20 years ago, CRM was the key thing, um, and and uh, and now it's not. Okay, so what's happened to CRM? Well, over the last 10 years, CRM sales has gone from in the states has gone from 16 billion to 69 billion okay and you can't really be in business today without a crm system okay it's you know and i think the same is going to happen with customer experience and then for me there's this new variant of customer experience to use the the pandemic parlance of a new variant that sort of is hitting the streets. Uh, and that's where the focus is going to start to to move to. And, and for me, it's the thing called, I would call it customer science. Um, but it doesn't really matter what you call it, but it's that focus of AI, um, um, behavioral science and, and data. And, and that's where, for me, the me whole measurement thing comes in and the whole where are the various different data sources come in. Um, so, again, that was a, probably a long-winded question followed by a long-winded answer. <laughs> well, it, it kind of aligns. I was at a conference earlier this week with, with the head of CX and head of Insights from all right. the major Australian brands, and um, they were saying that during the pandemic, they saw what they believed to be an artificial jump in satisfaction and net promoter score numbers of 10 to 15%. Um, and in this particular session I was in, it was, it was a group session where we're all discussing stuff. And while we're talking about it, I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if this is reflected in the American Customer Satisfaction Index scores. So I quickly opened the scores on my phone and saw, sure enough, there'd been a decline from 2017 all the way through 2019. I imagine that's got to do with societal factors in the US rather than anything else. And then, yep, there it was. At the start of the pandemic, stores started going up. Um, but... Between the most recent measurement and, and the previous one, 
that decline had come back in. And the discussion was around um, what are we going to, what are the things that we did in the pandemic that we're going to carry sure. through to normal business? And the outcome of that discussion was businesses almost seem to drop their facade of being this kind of anonymous organization sure. during the pandemic and started doing things like communicating, hey, we're canceling all flights and here's the reason sure. why we're canceling the flights and started to be more sure. open, more transparent and more relatable sure. and, and arguably provide sure. a better experience. And now that the pandemic, not to jinx anything, knock on wood, is starting to subside somewhat, um, there is this sense of going back to business as usual. But I think the the fundamental rules of engagement, if you will, with customers oh, have shifted and they're not going to accept going back to normal. And I think that's going to bring a, a big reckoning in the next yeah. couple of years where organizations start to see maybe that one-third increasing will, will go to a quarter or even less and maybe it'll we'll be talking yeah, about it I, in three buckets, increasing, flat, I, I, and decreasing. I don't know the Australian market well enough, but what I, I know the, the US market well. Um, and that bump that you said had happened during the pandemic basic uh, and again this is what david was saying on the podcast the the president of ascii was that effectively what people had done was that they had they knew that this was unusual times so i remember thinking yeah you know i mean we're in the first lockdown in london um and i'm going and uh, you know everyone's trying to get groceries delivered and you couldn't get through to the website, you couldn't get... And you go, I understand that I can't get through to the call centre. I understand that, that they, the, the organisations have had to move all their people to home working. So there was some tolerance there, okay? We're, but to reinforce mm. your point, we're now two years after it, okay? And I get... It drives me round the bend that I phone up a call centre and they say, we're... Ex we're ex we are experiencing exceptionally high call volumes. And I think, no, you're not. This has been going on for two years now. This is, you know, you should be saying, we did not, we haven't hired enough people or we are not paying them enough or, you know, therefore we haven't got the staff to answer, answer the phone, you know? Uh, and I think, so I think there was an allowance made at the beginning of the pandemic for that. And in fact, David said that customers' expectations for one of the first time declined in the states as, as a recognition of the fact that we're in a pandemic but now it's it's got back to whatever normal is i was listening to a podcast the other day um and you know they said the only thing with certainty that we can now predict is uncertainty um that you know things are going to be uncertain basically and that's proven to be the case so i i, I you know it definitely mm. changed it's definitely not going back to how it was. It's how are you going to respond to that? That's the issue. Uh, and if you think it's going to go back to to how it was, you're sadly mistaken and probably not going to be around for very much longer. Mm. All right. We've done a lot of talking about the past and the present. Let's turn our mind to the future. Um, and I'm, I'm keen to get an understanding from you about where you think they're headed. Um, I have discussions regularly um, with companies and insights leaders, both internal insights functions and external. And it seems to me that in particular, the internal uh, insights functions are still very much growing and maturing. And this 
to, to my mind at least, makes perfect sense given um, it's been a relatively recent shift to focusing on internal insights resources rather than relying on agencies. What do you think CX and, and insight teams, sorry, where do you think CX and insight teams are headed? Are they on track for success? And if not, what do you think needs to change in order to get that course correction? I, I, I think for me, it's uh, some a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about. So I, I, I think that, you know, they need to focus on what's driving value, okay? Um, and make that connection as we were talking about between we're taking this action because we want to move this dial uh, over here, okay? And if it doesn't work, then that needs to change. I think the second area is the understanding, again, we've talked about this, about sort of this whole area of behavioral science. So looking, not looking at it through rational lens, a rational lens, not looking at it from the customers have mm. told us this, therefore that must be the case, the, the, you know, the Disney and the salad, but looking at it through that more behavioral science, emotional lens, I think is important. And it, and it worries me that there's not enough people out there that are, 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 are doing that. Uh, and then I think that there is this whole area um, for the future moving forward is of this behavioral science. And, and again, for me, it's those three bits. It's AI, okay? So, um, uh, uh, it, you know, the emergence of, of AI in understanding the customer uh, or being able to provide a proactive experience, data of which, you know, insights is one of them, but other data sources to, to augment the data that they've currently got. And then looking at all of those things through, through AI because the world is becoming obviously more more digital, um, we we had somebody on the podcast, a couple of people, uh, for behavioural scientists from a couple of the um, one from one of the big social media companies and one from a fintech, and it was interesting because I I asked them um, how many of the fintechs have behavioural scientists um, working for them, thinking the answer would be not many. And the, the reply was all of them. Mm. So, you know, when you start to look at mm. what Google are doing, when you start to look at what Facebook do, the, the, the understanding of why people are making decisions, that whole behavioral science area, I think is the new, the new battleground uh, for, the, for the future. So I would, I would be advising both mm. insights and customer experience people to start to understand that more and think about how it applies. Interesting. And um, those fintechs mostly compete on customer totally. experience, right? That's a, that's yeah. a differentiation. Well, no, at least absolutely. in Australia, it's, we've had a But big... they also got a load of data, haven't so they? It so makes they, sense they've now got a load of data all. of what you're doing, mm. not what you're saying that you do, but what you are doing, because they can see all the taps and everything mm. else that are going through on things. Um, so, you know, mm. yeah. Interesting. Awesome. All right. That's been amazing. Thanks, Colin. I want to move on to our rapid fire sure. question round, if you don't mind. Um, I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions about customer insights and customer experience. And of course, about yep. yourself. Are you ready? Let's start off with the easiest one first. What's the best piece of customer insights or experience advice you have ever received? Um, it was don't look at 
just the rational aspects of things. Think about the emotional aspects of how our customers feeling. And if I'm allowed a second one, it was reverse the data. So, you know, it's like saying a third of mm. organizations are doing that. Well, okay, that means that two thirds of the organizations aren't. So, uh, you know, I always try to look at it from both, both angles. Mm. I have a suspicion I know the answer to the next question based on our conversation, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. What are you most excited about in the world of customer experience and insights right now? It is the, 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 this future customer science part. And so I think that, that I think if, mm. if you were to say, where's the future lie? I think it, it lies in one word, which is proactive. So I think if you can gather the data, if you can use AI to, to you know, increase the speed and therefore predict what customers want, you're going to be able to provide a proactive experience. And I, that's where I would be betting on as being the next big wave or the outcome of the wave of change. Yeah? We've been reactive up until now and we need to be moved to be proactive. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Don't feel obliged to say your own books, Colin, because we'll <laughs> definitely won't. link to them. There's a very good notes. book called Alchemy by a guy called uh, Rory Sutherland. I don't know if you know Rory Sutherland. Um, but he's a, he's a, Google him, he's a really good guy. Um, and uh, again, he talks about practical examples of how a customer behavior is happening in across uh, various different industries. So Alchemy by Rory Sutherland. Mm. What's an interesting, fun little fact about yourself that not many people would know? Fun little fact is that um, it starts off not being very nice, but let me carry on. Um, my, my wife's mother, father died a little, little after we got married. Uh, and then my mother died about um, six years later. Uh, so the fun little fact is that um, my dad then married my wife's mother. So. <laughs> wow, that is a fun little fact. So that makes me uncle to my own children. Yeah, and it means that I go to bed with yeah. my stepsister every night. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and now the most important question, Colin, if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best uh, way? For probably the best start? way is just um, either just go to our website, beyondphilosophy.com, uh, or you can just Google us on LinkedIn. Um, uh, yeah, and those are probably the mm -hmm. two best ways. Awesome, and we'll, we'll link to all of the materials referenced here, including your own podcast Great. and your own books. Colin, thanks for joining us today. That was amazing, and, and it feels like uh, the most fitting way to end season one of our own podcast. So I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you sharing Great. all your, great all your insights. Great being on Thanks a lot.